Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's election day in Georgia, and things are smooth sailing at the polls here in the Savannah area, as you'll soon hear. A roundtable of Savannah Morning News journalists recap the day before we also forecast the results on this episode of the Commute Podcast. Good day, Savannah, from all of us here at savannahnow.com. This is the Commute Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Van Brimmer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at Savannah Morning News. Today is Tuesday, November the 8th, Election Day, and this episode is all about the midterm elections. We'll start with a roundtable discussion with the journalists who spent the day in the field right after you got it, the National Office Systems read. National Office Systems is the commute's presenting sponsor, and as I've been telling you for a while now, we here at the Savannah Morning News are planning an office move. It's more than a rumor now, we're actually looking at spaces. Once we settle on an address, our next call is to Scott Center and his team at National Office Systems. They've been helping Savannah businesses with their office needs since the 1980s. National Office Systems offers more than 200 product lines, including a new collaboration from two of the office furniture industry's leaders, Herman Miller and Knoll, also known as Miller Knoll. If your office space needs a refresh, National Office Systems can help. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. Once again, that's www.natoffsys.com. Now to the roundtable. We're going to start today's podcast with a roundtable with a bunch of, uh, I guess, punch drunk might be an accurate word for our journalist team here who's been out and about since early this morning. And joining me is Will Peebles, who handled a lot of the Board of Elections stuff for us and, and went out and about this morning. Zoe Nicholson, who was on the east side for part of the day, and Rich Burkhart, who is our photographer, and made the rounds a lot today and I think may have the highlight for us. So I'm gonna get to that in a minute. But first, just general, <laughs> general thoughts on how the day was. It, it seemed like we had, what, 2.5 million vote early in advance with an election supposed to draw four and a half million so crowds were probably not going to be very heavy today is that what everybody discovered let's start with zoe yeah so i was on the east side in the islands um today i went to about 12 precincts and it's exactly what you said um everyone saw or had heard whether they had the numbers in front of them or not that they had a really great turnout of early voting not so much absentee mail-in ballots it seemed like early voting was the route of choice for people this time and then the in-person voting was a steady average trickle of people that came in and out all day um yeah and i all the problems that we heard about were very minor you know a printer ran out of ink or one of the card readers that the poll workers used to you know load your information on the card had to be reset that kind of thing um so it seemed smooth sailing. That was the phrase I kept hearing all day was smooth sailing. Well, it's weird to say that because I also heard smooth sailing. I think I wrote it, actually. I think I literally wrote it. Me too. At one point. But, 
Yeah, no, it, knock on wood here, but you know, it's it's been weirdly uh, no major issues. Uh, most recently, I talked to Billy Wooten, who's the election supervisor for Chatham County. Um, it was about 4 30, 5 o'clock when I was on the way over here, and yeah, no polls are staying open late, nobody open late. There were no extreme issues. If there was anything, um, we did see the thing that we see every time, which is people trying to plug too many Dominion machines into one outlet. They should really put that on the instruction manual, I think, because it happens every election. I've been keeping track. I, I even wrote about it specifically in a vignette last year. Um, but yeah, we only saw that in the early morning. Nothing delayed people getting open. Nobody, every, I think Zach put something up on the Savannah Now Instagram, like a question answer thing where people could send in how their voting experience was, and everybody's like, yeah, in and out, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes tops, you know? Um, so. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, smooth sailing describes it. I'm going to stay with Will for a minute, and a lot of the stuff we're talking about, folks, is in the live blog, or the, under the live updates on savannahnow.com. We've been keeping track of everything throughout the day with timestamps, basically personal vignettes from our team being out there. And Will wrote about Bruno and Bruno Jr. <laughs> Fill us in on Bruno and Bruno Jr. So. Bruno. Um, Which we're going to talk about Bruno? We are going to talk okay. about Bruno. I did that joke for the midterm, sorry. I couldn't okay. make it this time, okay. yeah. Um, yeah I, I think that headline for the video was poll workers talk about Bruno. But I, I first met Bruno. I was not the discoverer of Bruno. It was right when we had switched over to the Dominion voting system, which was uh, late 2019. We had like, um, I, I want to say it was the primary for 2020, and Barry Landers, our, our former environmental reporter, uh, she went to this and she wrote this vignette the first time and it was about Bruno and the scanner and I went over to the JEA later that day and I was like oh let me meet Bruno because Mary tweeted out a picture and stuff and it was I just thought it was really cute and uh, Jeanette Cooper the poll manager over there who's been doing it like you know 30 years or something like that I think um, she <laughs> she she's just so playful about it she'll come up and like this year during the midterms uh, for 2022 she was like uh, she, she named it Dummy, because uh, there was another scanner that wasn't Bruno, and then after that, this year, it was Bruno Jr., and they were like, it must be a stepson of Bruno. He, he must just see him on the weekends or something like that. It was, it was funny, but it, it's always a little tradition to go in to see if they uh, have um, got Bruno back, and they to this day, they haven't. I even told Billy Wooden one time, I was like, you need to take Jeanette to whatever warehouse y'all got those in, and let her find Bruno, and you send that one to the JEA, but... Yeah, that's the Bruno story. Yes, we all just miss that old election system, don't we? 1980s touchscreen, <laughs> like Pioneer Atari games. And stuff. No, no, it was the new one. Bruno it was, was the new one. Bruno was the new one. He was a scanner that could do everything the new ones could, but they didn't have enough to fill out everybody, I think. So. Uh, yeah. I actually met this couple, and it was their first time ever voting in Georgia. They just moved to Thunderbolt from California. And they said that the voting process with everything today was like the most secure and safe that they'd ever felt their ballot. And that the guy standing by, I don't know if they named their Bruno, their ballot caster, but um, they were like, to be able to actually stand there and see that your ballot was cast and not have to just drop and, and pray that it, your paper ballot gets somewhere. So I know it's controversial, but the people I talk to, they like, the system of voting. Also, it's not controversial. It's just true, dude. Because a friend of mine moved to uh, Kentucky this year, right? They get three days of early voting. Three. We have like like a month almost, right? Like, I, I don't know. 
you hear you hear all this stuff, Georgia, SP202, all that. And I mean, like, yeah, sure, we've covered it. Go read about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, man, other states kind of have it absolutely terrible. Right. It's, it's kind of, it, it shocked me. I was like, you have three days to yeah. early vote. Like, we could have do this, like, October 1st or something, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. That's, I did run into someone who came to Tybee. So she was at the Tybee Island Precinct, the only one on the island. And born and raised there she tried to register she registered to vote three days ago because she didn't know you know and uh, you had to register by october 11th four weeks before the election now she wasn't mad i mean she was like that's on me for not doing my research uh but she was really disappointed so i think that was like the only change that came along from that bill that i'd actually seen a firsthand impact on today no no that did not change oh my bad no no i think the thing that cut it cut that part <laughs> <laughs> no, no no i made a mistake too I was it's, a, it's, a, it's a good transition because that's i think the reason that we're seeing so few absentee ballots and so many more than usual early voting stuff because the absentee ballot window just got like chomped down like pretty much cut in half like it, it used to be i don't have the exact numbers but it was a lot longer than 70 you know, some days right it used to be like 100 days and now, and it's, now like, it's 70 now it's 70 days. some days yeah um I, I think that might have something to do with it but also i don't know absentee is so clunky right i did it during covid because it was all the rage then but i don't know it was it, it's just a lot to do if especially because the drop boxes got so limited to pretty much early voting hours like if you're doing it at that point why not just go early vote, right? I don't know. That's, that's, that's my take on that. And there's also a case to be made for same-day regist- uh, registration on the day you vote, especially with our updated system. Mm-hmm. That is something that was talked about and, and never advanced. But like you, I was in my precinct today, and there was somebody who had registered to vote too late. He showed up to vote, he and his wife, and both got turned away. It was no problem to them. They didn't raise a fuss, but you could tell it was, it was disappointing. Right. So. I brought Rich in largely because he spent the day taking a lot of pictures and hit some pretty key spots. And I know one of your early stops is Coastal Cathedral, which we talk about the lines being short everywhere. They weren't short out there at 7 a.m., right? No, yeah. I got out there about 6.30, 6.45, and there was probably about 100, 125 people in line before the polls even opened. Um, and it's a line where part of it's inside the church and then it stretches outside and down the sidewalk. So it's real, you know, it, it just easy to just look at it and say, oh, there's not very many people. But then once you walk inside, there's there's probably 80 or so people just inside in that line. Um, the fortunate thing is it's a big church, you know, it's a big precinct. So they have a lot of machines and, um, and they, they move them through pretty quickly, you know, so it didn't seem like there was any major issues, the line, but the line while I was there, I was there about 30 minutes and it would get a little bit shorter and then it would lengthen back up. So by, you know, by the time I left, it was still outside. Um, but you know, there were no issues. I would say with my experience, I think you know, maybe these poll workers, poll managers are getting more used to this new voting system and stuff because I've been back covering this stuff since like the 2020 election. Their attitudes and their their sense of, of like, you know, uh, calmness it was much better this year than it was the last, the primary or the, the last election. Um, they were very nice. I, I had no issues. Most of the people seemed they, like everything was just kind of smooth sailing. Nothing was really, really bumpy today at all. And I had no, you know, <clears throat> I, I just expected it because that's how it's been with every, every election since. But 
there was no, it never happened. Like every place that I went to, all the poll managers were very nice, very welcoming, you know, just, just, they understood the rules this time and knew exactly what was, was allowed. Um, they did tell, one did tell me that, um, probably because I had a photo from the primary in this polling location of a woman with her cell phone at the thing. She said to me, we're making a better, we're, we're doing, going to do a lot more to make sure cell phones are not out at all. And so that's probably why they, they said, she said that to me because in the primary, I did have a photo of a woman, which we've used many times of her standing there with her phone, you know, voting. So, um, and that is not a, not supposed to be allowed, but they they missed it um, during the primary. Yeah, as we've learned, these poll workers have long memories. So, so yeah. In my voting precinct, where I had an issue in a past election with the poll manager, who made sure she told Zoe to tell me that I don't know the context, but it's neither here nor there. But these folks, all joking aside, these folks work very hard. I want to go back to Rich because the other thing at Rich, he gets sent to these poll places, but the other assignment he gets is, okay, call some of our local candidates, find out where they're going to be on election day, let's get some shots of them doing something. He was fortunate enough to catch two of our candidates. One was Wade Herring, who is a Democrat running for U.S. House, and Derek Mallow, a Democrat running for Georgia Senate District, and I always mix this up, District 2. And they were having lunch. Rich, take it away. Yes, I caught up with them at uh, at Randy's Barbecue, um, sure, which those of you that don't know, it's a uh, little walk-up window on Wheaton Street, um, and they, you know, have some uh, pretty amazing ribs, and that's uh, so that's where I caught them. They were standing out in line. Um, Mahalo was, uh, you know, cracking a lot of jokes with folks around him while, while Wade was just sort of standing there, kind of uncomfortable, but. Um, <laughs> When we got up to the thing, he, you know, um, Wade had obviously not ever been to Randy, so he was asking for, um, you know, suggestions on what to get, what's good here. And so everybody was unanimous, you need to get the ribs, which I guess, is, you know, is number five. And so um, he got his ribs with the sauce on the side. And then I didn't realize that it's a cash-only place, so they, him and his uh, the campaign person who was with him were kind of questioning about who, who had the cash to pay for this, but Derek stepped up and, uh, and paid, for, um, paid for all of the, all the folks there. So, and for yeah. the record, there's an ATM on the side, so next yes. time Wade and Nick Savis hit the ATM. But uh, great stuff, great pictures. I, I saw us on the side, meant we didn't have Wade with... All over his face, yeah. But it's fun anyway, right? It is. It's fun. Um, it's you know, Randy's isn't a place that has uh, you know an outdoor seating or anything, so it's not like we could get them eating um, eating there. But Wade, they all took their their meals home, so I'm sure they enjoyed some Randy's ribs, sauce on the side or not, um, live before tonight's uh, watch parties. Maybe we need to order some in for dinner here. Rich, thanks so much, Zoe, Will. Will and I are going to stick around and do a little handicapping, but uh, we'll just take a break here. A real quick plug here for the Savannah Town Square Opinion Newsletter. It publishes every Tuesday and features everything you need to know to dominate the water cooler conversation at work. You don't need to subscribe to the Savannah Morning News or savannahnow.com to get the newsletter, so there's no excuses. Just go to savannahnow.com newsletters and you'll see a, a menu of newsletters and you'll see Savannah Town Square in there. Click on it. Every Tuesday you'll get it in your inbox. It's that simple. 
Now, to what to expect when the election results come in portion of the podcast with Little Peoples. Back here on the commute, Will and I are going to spend the balance uh, doing a little forecasting. It is 6, for the record, it is 6.25 p.m. on Tuesday night. We are 35 minutes before the polls close. Uh, Will and I have been living this for for a couple of months now. Um, Will, of course, was a politics reporter in the spring, the primary, and he moved over to the city and county beat in the summertime, but was still drafted in to cover the U.S. House race. And just by nature of, of having a small newsroom, I think he's been pretty well ingrained in, in the run-up of this, even beyond that race. But, Will, as you look at what we might see here starting at 7 o'clock, uh, I, I don't, I'm going to give you mine first. Okay. Go ahead. I see a, rave, a red wave coming. Yeah. I see a, a complete red wave coming. I know that that is somewhat counterintuitive given the early voting numbers, which were very high, two and a half million. People tend to think that that's a lot of Democrats. But when you look at the actions of the Democratic candidates at the top of the ticket late in this race where they really quit. I want to say quit. They really scaled back their efforts to sway voters and began focusing almost solely on turning out their base. That made me think that they recognize that the Republicans are doing that. And that's the second part of this thing, and we can talk about this in a minute, and, and why the, the Republicans were so successful in that. But as you look at what you expect in terms of that ticket, do you see a, a, a pretty red ticket as well? Yeah, mostly red. I, I, do, I do think it's going to be mostly red. Um, I think it's going to be Warnock, who makes it through, but in a runoff. Oh, bingo. I think it's a yep. runoff tonight, and then I think... I think it's a crapshoot after that, but, but, but I'm with but you. Listen, I think it is a runoff. But listen, Warnock wins the runoff in a microcosm of the same reason that most Republicans are going to win tonight. Right. Warnock's going to win in runoff because so many other Republicans are going to win tonight to the point right. where I think they'll probably be the party in power in at least the House tomorrow. Uh, I think both. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think even without the Warnock-Walker race. Yeah, but that I think that is going to take a lot of people who were really into politics because they were really embarrassed by Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that does stem through both parties, but it's mostly Democrats. I think that's why we saw what we saw in 2020 in combination with the Abrams get-out-the-vote drive and all that, which, ironically, I, I don't think it's going to help <laughs> this time. Not, not enough. But... But I, I think that it's gonna it's gonna jolt enough people because it, I think here's the thing, man. I don't think that I I get a skewed view of it because, like you said, you and I have been just living this for these last few months. But I think that most people, especially younger folks, especially folks that lean more left, don't want to think about politics that much. Man. Yeah. I, I really once every four years, maybe not once every two years. It's when it's concern driven. That's right. All politics is right. concern driven, and right. I don't think they had any reason to be concerned because they did everything that the Democratic Party told them to do in 2020. They came out, they voted, they broke records in Georgia, they flipped the state, and they made it look a little bit purple. But now that they're in there, they don't have anything to complain about. There's nothing right. to be upset about. Well, they try to fire them up with, with abortion law changes. And, and But, like, those rallies died out so fast. Yeah. Were, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be like, you know. Uh, what I'm saying is that I don't see the energy levels. In yes. Democrats. I, don't I agree. I don't see the screaming from the rafters, even mm -hmm. without a Donald Trump to, to kick it off. I don't I don't like the what we're seeing from the Republicans, right? Right. Like I see... What I see from Republicans, and this might be a nice segue into your next question, I think it might be, 
is that they have stuff to complain about. They're right. They, I guess they think Biden controls the gas prices. He right. right. Um, I guess they think Biden controls groceries. He doesn't. But the fact of the matter is, all this has happened under his watch, under a, you know, a fully controlled House of House and Senate by the Democrats, House controlled by both the Democrats. Right. Dang it, I can't say it right. We got you. A House and the Senate controlled by the Democrats. A all of Congress. Right. All three. All three. Everything. Yeah. And, chambers. And, uh, they're mad. Like right. that's who wins elections. People who right. are maddest about what's happening currently. Right? And the messaging is there's such a contrast in the messaging. And the the Republicans have been so good this cycle at its inflation economy at the top, and we can sit here and say that that this Democrats can't do this or they can't do that or anything else. But the bottom line is Republicans have been very good at getting across the American people that, you know, we got low unemployment and, and in a, in a grand scheme of things, things are pretty good, but Hey, you're paying too much money for your gas and too much money for your groceries, including your bacon, which we can circle back to that. We can circle back to that later, but so they had that they had that core issue and then they have these culture wars that they built even going back to before 2020 but have really taken on greater volume since then and meanwhile the democrats they seem to have they kind of they want to hit everything and and a, and a good illustration of that is is wade herring so wade herring his big campaign message down the stretch was prescription drug prices because his opponent is in the House and is a retired pharmacist and did not vote in ways that Democratic legislation that was meant that was meant to and, and has lowered d- drug prices, he voted against them. So the Herring campaign thought that they seized upon that issue instead of instead of seizing upon the one issue that fired everybody up in 2020 and fired everybody up after January 6, 2021. And that's Donald Trump and, and the way he tries to abuse his power. And you look at the Democrats and they're just, they're all over the place. Whereas the Republicans are just very, very focused on driving their point home. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to, for the goal to be, I want to be in a position where I can make the changes that I, I'll figure out what those are once I get there. Mm-hmm. But you know, th- that's not necessarily a political philosophy, but like just kind of how people work, right? Like you can set your eyes on a goal. And if you, and I think that being there is different from getting there. And I think getting there is a lot easier part. We saw that in 2020 with the Democrats. Of course, you're probably going to see it this year with the Republicans, but there's one Republican who is not doing that Adam, And that is governor Brian Kemp. Right. Governor Brian Kemp's message is so polar opposite to mm-hmm. every other Republican on every ballot. I I guess in Georgia, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. those things, the mm-hmm. races or anything like that. But his whole message has just been like, I did good. Yeah. I like I guided us through COVID. I made decisions that even Donald Trump thought were bad decisions. And look at us now with the mm-hmm. largest surplus in Georgia history. Right. Like, and I think that Abrams just didn't know what to do. With right. I just right. don't think that she had an answer for that. You know, because like. All the stuff's kept saying the stuff that he did. Those, he's running on his record, and and even then he's been able to leverage this because he can talk about how how much better Georgia is economically than the rest of the country. But then he always weaves in the fact of we'd be so much better if we didn't have all this inflation. So even he would come back yeah. and hit that hit that pressure point and hit it and just hit it on the money. The failed yeah. policies, of Stacey Abrams. right? He says he wants to take the failed Biden policies to Georgia. 
That's right. Wants to be a rubber stamp for these failed Biden policies. Like, I mean, I, I, we were, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago, right? Like, right. It's, it's just that's it, just Biden is such a weakness because his approval ratings are really low. It's a thirty yeah, percent under forty percent in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah thirty seven. I think yeah, is the latest. Get back up over forty before twenty four. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, that's next election. But what what I'm what, like, I lost my train of thought. That's all right. Let's talk bacon, and then we're going to wrap up. So I meant to mention this earlier when we were having a roundtable, but if everybody saw the blog today, we had an early morning post. I did write it. That, this? Go ahead. So every every year for Election Day, what we do in the newsroom is we divvy up all the reporters, and we send them out to various parts of town. You know, uh, like Drew goes south side. Yeah, Zoe goes east side. Will goes midtown. You know, Dan, you know, people go down. We, we get it all set up, right? Um and Adam, Adam contributed to the vignettes because he's a get-in-there editor. He likes to, he likes to do his own stuff. And Adam, you had one today about a sign with bacon. Tell us about the bacon sign. Right. So I'm driving my son to school, and I'm driving down my road. And my road, like a lot of roads right now, has all of these campaign signs lined up. You know, you have Kemp and Warnock and whoever. And then you have a campaign sign or a camp a, a sign shaped like a campaign sign that says bacon ten ninety nine. And I'm driving by and I don't have much caffeine at this point. And I get to the stoplight and I look at my son and I said, I think that that was a political statement. And he's fifteen. He's like, oh, whatever, yeah, whatever, Dad. I come to realize it is. It was poking fun at inflation. So on my way home, I said, you know what? I want to test the theory of this. So on my way home is a Kroger. I stopped at Kroger. Smithfield bacon. So not the cheap store brand bacon. Smithfield bacon, four forty nine a pound right now. So that's not ten ninety nine. What's Kroger card? That's that's not ten ninety nine. But so we had a little uh, inflation disinformation, and that was a highlight of my reporting for election day at least to this point you are the person who put these signs out which and they did make they did look very homemade they look mm-hmm. very oh yeah I yeah it was a white a white card with a yeah. with a marker Art, sharpie Art yeah. yeah um we are now uh, fielding information for whoever would like this we're looking to two rebuttals situation <laughs> uh, if you do have bacon that's 1099 maybe you're going to whole foods that's right maybe Maybe you're talking about Publix. Maybe. Yeah, and it didn't Publix. say how many pounds. It just said ten ninety. Everything at Publix is like a dollar extra. Just uh, the Publix. Three dollars extra. <laughs> now we're gonna get in trouble with yeah, Publix. If you'd like to give a rebuttal, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> my email is wp. <W-P-P-L-A-S-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L-A-S-A-N-L
and I don't see it getting any better. Now, Will is is uh, probably a generation younger than me, maybe not quite, but pretty close. How do you how do you uh, how do you ingest this kind of general tactlessness that's going on? I've got the only thing I got for you here is ten cent philosophy. <laughs> so it's easy. You can sell it off for probably like less than 10. But I think that the greatest way for any people who are unfamiliar with other people to start getting along is a shared dislike of someone or some other group. I think that the entirety of human civilization was built on us resisting this urge. Mm-hmm. But it is natural. We are born with it. And I'm not talking about necessarily like political groups. I'm not talking about the isms, not racism, not sexism. Those are all included in it, but that's not necessarily, it's not limited to that, right? Any group, any, any like, I'm with them and you're with, uh, you're with us, you know, uh, or I'm with us and you're with them kind of situation. I think that is what gets the most traction. It always will. And the horrifying thing about that is, is that we have a two-party system in the United States. And that makes zero sense to me. There's no way that the complicated suite of issues that we have in this country can be boiled down into two takes solely. There's mm-hmm. no way that happens. And I know that, you know, there's there's people say, oh, yeah, the third party just muddies it up. It just leads to runoffs and stuff. Good, good. There should be more distinction. Just, yeah. There should be more. There should be more options than two. Like it should not come down to two people every time. And I, I know in other places there's like 40 political parties, and I don't think that's the no, that's not good either. either. No. But you know, I, and I'm not, I'm not smart enough to say what it is. If it was, then I would have already probably started a new political system and it'd be wildly <laughs> successful. We wouldn't be having this conversation. But I, like, I don't know what the answer is to that. But I know that the root of it is you are on my team, or I'm on my team, and you're on your team, and I don't like you solely for the fact that you are. And it doesn't help when the team's little logos and mottos clash so hard. Like, it's built to be divisive. The political system we have is not meant to work together. But what happened to the days where we could, we could disagree and, and the other guy wasn't, a, it wasn't an absolute villain? Well, we didn't have the internet then. And people could put their names behind things. And I'm 30 saying this. I'm not like, right. I'm not like those damn kids with their internet. Right. Like, right. There, it, it was a different time period because it was less televised. You didn't know about every single thing happening in the world. You didn't know about every single thing going on, everything you should be mad about. And it wasn't fed to you in, you know, the algorithms of social media, which are just, you know, <laughs> here is what I know you won't like. Like studies have shown like the, the things they get angry reacts uh, on Facebook, uh, the algorithm like prioritizes that. Mm-hmm. So it shows you more of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. like uh, I read some, I read some paper on that. I don't it was a while back, probably a couple years ago. It could be different now because they change all the time. But I don't know. At, at the core of it, everything that we've built as people has been by either by has been by resisting the urge to hate each other, mm-hmm. and the political system only encourages that more. And it's so taxing to just hear that. I know what you mean, man. And like, like I, I don't even. It, regardless of whether or not I like the candidate who's texting me and telling me to go vote, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, like, I'm so sick of that. Uh, mm-hmm. One day, one day, a couple weeks ago, I tweeted, good morning, everybody, and then I put an asterisk by everybody and then put down below, everybody who hasn't sent me an email on behalf of a political candidate. Hmm. It, it's become, it's just so inundated in our life because of the way that, you know, just content and media is integrated into our life. And 
I don't know. I, sometimes I tell people when they're stressed out about new stuff and they come to me like, well, how do you do this? I'm like, don't read the news. Yeah, I'll plug it. Like, like, take it out. Like, go detox, right? I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't have much more Tencent philosophy. Yeah. That's my take on it. That's how I feel. Well, if we're right about a runoff, it means we got four more weeks of that mess. But that's beyond the... Uh, that's beyond the, that's, that yeah, that's beyond the, <laughs> that's beyond the problem. So, uh, we're going to wrap it up. I, I meant to give this disclaimer at the front end. I'm going to give it at the back end. This is not us endorsing anyone. This is not us telling you how you should vote. This is not exactly even how we voted. I guarantee you neither one of us voted for a red wave. Or a blue wave, yeah. It's, yeah. Mine was looked like a... You know, a squiggly line for sure. But uh, just wanted to put that out there just because I know people will accuse us. On our previous podcast, let's get that. Yeah. I like that too. But, Will, thanks for taking the time to come in. I know it's been a long day. and um, It's about to be a long night. Let's it's going to be a long night. That's <laughs> what we signed up for, dude. <laughs>that's all for this edition of the commute podcast thank you one last time to our presenting sponsor national office systems before i sign off remember that we publish new commute episodes every tuesday and thursday whatever your interests you will find interviews of interest in our archives search the commute with that savannah opinion on your favorite podcast app the commute returns thursday when we preview the high school football playoffs we will talk to you then Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.